We'd like to thank Cassiopeia Books for sponsoring Voices and Views. They are located at 606 Central Avenue in downtown Great Falls. Besides being a place to find your favorite books, they also host events with authors, book clubs, and local groups weekly. For special orders or more information, you can reach them at 315-1515. Welcome to Voices and Views on Great Falls Public Radio, KGPR 89.9. I'm your host, Thomas Risberg, and today on the show, I am honored to be joined by my colleagues, Mr. Dean Snow, the Sober Life Program Director at the Alliance for Youth, and Angie Altschwager, the Youth Navigator at the Youth Resource Center at the Alliance for Youth. So, Dean, Angie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Dean, let's jump right in. Give our listeners an understanding of the Alliance for Youth, right? It, clearly, it, it supports youth, but it does a lot more than that. So, tell me about just generally what it does. Well, that's a great question. I get asked that quite a bit. Uh, the Alliance for Youth is a wonderful organization, and uh, it has it's kind of, if you picture like a stool, a four-legged stool, Um, So we have four legs. We have uh, substance prevention, substance use prevention with uh, Beth Morrison handles that area. Uh, We have the Youth Resource Center, Angie, Logan, uh, Chris, they're down there with Eli, and they handle that portion of it. And then we have the Sober Life. And I have four wonderful people that I work with in the Sober Life, Lisa, Liz, Jennifer, and Andy. And then we also have parenting support with ISIS. And I love, you can tell that uh, it's a people-first organization. You know, the one that you think of is to name all the folks that, you know, you work with. And uh, it it really is a pleasure to watch you. You know, I say that you're a, a motivator, not a manager, right? And with everybody, you're looking to see how you can get you know, the absolute best out of them, not just for the organization, but for their own personal growth. Well, it's really is a team effort. And um, there's not one person, you know, that is in charge, really, I don't think I think I'm part of that team. And I think that's how I look at the whole organization. And without one person, then it doesn't run like a well oiled machine like it should. And I think the good that we do for the community, I earnestly believe in what we do. And, and I, I believe that comes through in, in, in my actions, not just my words. I want to delve in, you know, much more detailed on the various programs at Alliance for Youth. But before we, we go down that road, I talk a lot about on this show, what I have called the emerging culture of contempt in our society. And what I mean by that is we see little snippets about someone on social media, we see their view on a certain issue, and we make broad conclusions about what their values are, uh, who they are, and generally they're negative. And so we are approaching each other very much so, you know, we've just seen a tiny little snippet of this person, and we have all these thoughts about them that in many cases, the vast majority of them don't reflect even a close uh, 
approximation of who that person is. And so what I love to do with all of my guests is to learn about your background so our listeners can understand the values that you hold, the experiences that have developed you as a person. And that way, I hope it's our small part where we can push back against that in our society and say, let's take the time to understand folks. And if you understand someone, then you can have very uh, vehement disagreements, but you don't have to see that person as an enemy or to demonize them. And so, Angie, I want to start out with you. Tell me about your your childhood. How did you form your values? How did you develop into this person that just wants to love youth and uplift them? Well, I was raised in a very happy home. Um, we I went to private school. Um, we were involved with our church and youth group, and that really kept me um, grounded. Uh, my parents are very nurturing. Um, my mom is a teacher speech therapist. So I, I always feel that I got some of my nurturing and uh, service for others from her. My dad is um, retired electrician, hard worker. Um, I have a sister, older sister. We were typed close family. They live in Washington. I miss them greatly. Uh, when I was in high school, I was involved with a youth group at church. And they were my friends at church and school. And that really helped me make positive uh, choices in my life. Uh, happy home. Absolutely. And I think the the lesson I pull out of that is, you know, you, you can't tell people to not do something. That never works, right? You give them an alternative. And it sounds like for you, that was the youth group, right? And that gave you purpose, meaning, right? It's not saying, hey, Angie, don't do these things. Don't do drugs. They're bad. It's saying do youth group. You're going to find purpose there. It was. And it was it was a comfort circle. Um, it helped. It was pretty um, vital part of my youth. And then I went to first year of college. I stayed at home, traveled. That was rough. Um, you know, trying to figure out how to be an adult, but still be at home live with my, my parents, my grandparents lived with us. So I went down to um, Multnomah University in Portland, Oregon, spent a year there, um, studied youth ministry and biblical foundations, really enjoyed that. Um, just got involved with ministry, always wanted to do something in social work, human services, um, worked with kids in some capacity, took a break, did medical field for a year and a half, and I learned a lot, but it wasn't, it wasn't my niche, and, you know, my own kids are like, but mom, that's not you. You do service. Absolutely. And so, do you have a couple sayings that you kind of grew up with that have been inculcated into you that have served as a guide, uh, kind of as you've gone through your life journey? Um, you know, the do unto others as you would have them do to you. And when I'm working right now with youth, do to them how I would want someone to do to my own children. So I'm looking at these young people to be how I, how I influence, nurture, just take the time with them, how I want someone to do that, reciprocate for my own family. Absolutely. And I say the golden rule, 
you're about 95% of the way there in human relationships if you can practice that one. Absolutely. And I, there's been times where I was like, well, I'm just not going to care. I'm not going to care. Well, that's not me. It's just not who I am. Absolutely. And I do think that humans, right, we're, we're kind of a contrast that, you know, we have are capable of great evil and harm, but at the same time have this instinctual connection to nurture to love yes and it's one of those things sort of which side you're going to feed and and i think that's something that we see in our culture the social media electronics right that's that's not how our brains are wired they're wired for close-knit connections with people and i think we're engaged in in a mass experiment uh to see what psychologically uh, the effects are of kids that are disconnected pretty much from what, you know, before they can remember and they're on a screen. Yes. Um, and so I love that you put relationships first and nurturing, right? That we want to have kids, and we'll talk about this, about having them graduate high school, mm-hmm. getting jobs, right? Mm-hmm. All those things are essential to living a good life. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it starts with relationships. Finding that connection their niche you know it may not be my always be my interest but exploring what that common denominator interest and that's the first step and then to build on that the trust the um things that come follow that we can do in where we work to um help these kids in their life down the road with jobs and graduating and, and so, Dean, I'll, I'll turn to you here and, and give us an understanding of, of your formative experiences. You know, where'd you grow up? Uh, what was it like at home? Uh, and some lessons that you kind of learned that you've always taken with you and how you've walked your, your life journey. Um, so my journey's uh, quite a bit di- different than Angie's. Uh, I grew up with an alcoholic father. Um, who was out of the picture at a fairly young age, I believe, when I was in junior high. But, in uh, um, you know, I was a victim of sexual abuse. And so I really didn't choose to be an addict. I think the addiction chose me. And um, it was very unfortunate, things I've had to go through. I should, a little disclaimer to my mom, you know, she did the best she could with what she had. She, um, to this day, has never had a drop of alcohol or any drugs ever. And so um, it was a struggle for her, you know, dealing with, with me and, and my chaos and, and how I dealt with what I was going through. And so, um, you know, God bless that woman for, for never, ever giving up on me. But, you know, I struggled with uh, addiction for most of my life, 35 years in active addiction. I was um, methamphetamine, uh, fentanyl, uh Oxycontin, um, heroin, you know, the list goes on and on. It's pretty much whatever there was. I was using it to self-medicate. Um, of course, I did not realize that till I got into recovery. That's what I was doing. Um, but once I was able to get into recovery, I was able to kind of um, work through that stuff. I still go to therapy to this day. Um, and uh, it's, it's just been quite a journey. And one of the things on my journey was, you know, was coming to work at Alliance for Youth. And it was one of the greatest decisions I ever made in my entire life. 
um, the difference I get to make in people who uh, were in spots where I was and to find that hope and to find that light at the end of the tunnel, it is one of the most rewarding things that that anyone could ever do. And, and it, that's where I find my joy is uh, letting other people see like there is hope, like there is life after addiction, like you can get through this. Um, unfortunately, it's a lifelong disease. Sometimes I like to say it's a life sentence and we have to address it like like that. We have to be on that 24-7 that we cannot let up or otherwise, you know, we'll let it back in. So um, it, it has been quite a journey, that's for sure. You know, and one thing I would like to add, though, about social media and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff, it's not real. It's not real. Like nobody's out there posting like when they're not their best self. Uh, I'm certainly not. Yes. I'm posting. I'm I'm posting the highlights, all the good yes. stuff. Nobody's posting the good like pictures. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I, I think people need to realize that like it, it's not real. It's, it's it's not what's really happening out there. That's the classic, and I think that's you know you you hear never compare, you know your insides to other people's outsides, and it's taking that and magnifying it. You know, it used to just be that you'd have to see the prim proper family, you know, that looked like they had all together and may, you know, you'd never want to know what went be, you know, on beyond closed doors. But now it's everybody projects this. And so we're all in this kind of participants in this grand illusion that things are just perfect, right? But if you're just one person at the table and that's all you see, and you're not thinking, oh, they're all just like me, and we all have mm-hmm. our, you know, issues. It starts to hurt your self-esteem, right? You feel that you're the the odd person out, and so I, I think that that is a great point: is to have folks understand when you engage with social media that you're seeing a person's representative. And I always say that that it's not who they are; it's the image that they want to project to the public. And so don't compare your life to what you see other people posting on Facebook. Absolutely. Everyone's their own PR person in, on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, this, I say this, you know, tongue in cheek, but there are certain people where you can see their posting get very, you know, uplifting and you know they're in a very dark place, right? Yeah. Or what's the joke you see in relationships, right? Like the more that they're posting and saying, oh, we love each other so much, it's like, that's really on the rocks, right? You know? <laughs> uh, and and it, it's you kind of see it without fail. But uh, I think that's a great point to, to make that we don't step back kind of in that 10,000-foot level and look from the outside at social media. So I'm really glad you brought that up. And for our listeners, right, I think the – the lesson is engage with social media with the understanding that it is a false representation of the lived experience of pretty much every single person on there. Yeah, I, I absolutely take Facebook and all that stuff with a grain of salt. Yeah, I think that's well uh, well thought. Good idea. And so I now do want to transition into the meat and potatoes of Alliance for Youth. And I think a great way to to set the table for this, I'll give some statistics for our listeners, and, and then we can talk about how Alliance for Youth is, is working to stop these you know, vicious cycles we see and then some virtuous cycles. So if our listeners are not familiar with, in terms of like homelessness amongst our youth, right? This is numbers collected by the school district annually. It's over 500 
right? 500, that's correct, right? You know, 500 youth in Great Falls, Montana, homeless at some point during the year. We have the highest per capita rate of, of foster care, right? So this is children that are being removed from their homes uh, due to either neglect or abuse. Substance abuse is the driver for that. That's over 80% of those are due to substance abuse. Uh, in the state of Montana, we have 40% of our emergency room visits are drug alcohol related. When you look at crimes committed, right, it's the vast majority are either under the influence of alcohol or drugs or in the pursuit of obtaining typically drugs, right, because they're illegal, but drugs or alcohol, right? These are the drivers of, of a lot of issues in our community and something that we really need a, a community effort to, to address. And so with that kind of as an overview, Dean, will you talk about the sober life and really I want to start out with the why. Why do we need an organization like the sober life? I think we need an organization like the Sober Life more than ever right now in our community with the emergence of fentanyl and the damage it's doing to our community. It's it's huge. Um, and, and they need a healthy recovery community. And that's what we create at the Sober Life, uh, a place where you can feel safe, a place where you can go and um, do events and activities. A lot of people say recovery is boring. There's nothing to do or they isolate. And those are the things that cause relapse or, or keep us in our addiction. So um, I believe with the Sober Life and all these events and activities that we do, we are a safe haven and a place where people can go and realize, hey, you know what? Recovery can be fun and it, and it doesn't have to be boring. And there are things to do. Uh, I can go rafting. I can go uh, to the water park and all these different things that we have. We've got weekly events and we've got family-friendly events. We've got culturally relevant events. We've got beating. We've got uh, so many Red Road 12 varieties, so many different things. It, it's, there's absolutely, um, at some point, there's going to be something that you, that appeals to you and that you want to do. And you can bring your family um, to some of this stuff. And it's just a great way to reconnect with your family and, and, and get healthy again. And, and with the one that I love, so how did it get started, The Sober Life? So in 2018, uh, the Substance Abuse Prevention Alliance uh, had this idea of coming up with something for people who struggle with substance use disorders. So they had these focus groups and, and some of the things that came out of it are things that I just mentioned, you know, uh, there's nothing to do, recovery is boring, um, I'm afraid to go out, socially awkwardness, you know, um, all this stuff that came out of the focus group, they put it all together and they came up with the sober life. And I believe the first event was Brush Crazy. And I believe there was about 30 people that attended that event. And it just blew up from there. Um, that's kind of how I got involved is at the very beginning that I volunteered. I uh, went and sat at volleyball. And I tell you what, it was very lonely that first volleyball. I sat there and um, it was just myself. So uh, the next time. I enlisted some friends and I said, Hey man, come on out here and give it a try. And then it just kind of organically grew from that. And, um, right now, so we went from nobody to now in last April, 159 people attended volleyball for the month of April. 
It has been incredible. And, and all the events and activities have just expanded and um, it just keeps growing and growing. And it's just something that has been a joy to be a part of. And I think it's really one of the unique aspects is how, how is it managed? How is it governed? I think that's something that's powerful. It's by addicts for addicts. So everyone that's involved with the sober life, that's employed by the sober life, are all in recovery. So that is something that you don't see at a lot of places. A lot of places it's just people who are like LACs or, or LCPCs, uh, um, perhaps people that not even have experienced addiction personally, uh, other than maybe somebody that they knew. And so this is, is very groundbreaking, I think. And it's just, we understand the struggle. And so I think that's very helpful to, to what we do. That it's empowering, right? That mm-hmm. I think there's actually a, a group of people, right, that get together monthly and, and chart out the course of the organization. And I mean, from the granular, right, about what we're going to do next to the overall, hey, who do we want to be going forward over the next three years, right? Yeah, we have a lot of great people that are make up the Sober Life Leadership Council. Uh, we have people from Veterans Treatment Court, Adult Treatment Court, AANA, um, and some other leaders of the community that come in and um, help decide what we do and what we're going to do and what we can do. And it's uh, it's just a great thing to be a part of. Um, I urge anyone who has an interest or uh, in recovery to come be come check it out. Absolutely. And I do think that the the one that I want to really hone in on is so many of our systems of support create this hierarchy and it's the the expert, the person that has all the answers, just sort of in a many times kind of pedantic or even condescending way, imparting that into people, right? And you create something where they lose that internal motivation and they they start to see the world as oh i'm just a piece of flotsam you know floating along and it, it actually can have negative effects in that you start to believe that you're not the captain of your own ship and i think it's very important when we look at programs that we do that serve that they do not infantilize those that they serve, but actually actively engage them in developing and implementing the programs that are serving. Yeah, I think you'll tell, if you ask anyone that knows me, um, I might be the program director, but when they come in, they know that I'm on their level. I've been in their shoes. I've been where they're sitting and um, I'm no better than you. And I feel like that comes off as pretty genuine with the people that I work with. And not only that, but the people that are my colleagues, you know, I'm, I'm not above them. I'm a part of this team. And if we're not working together, we're not our best selves. And so I, I like to create that atmosphere of teamwork and that we're all in this together. You know, there's not really a hierarchy, so to speak. And I think also with the Sober Life, we also create that with our Sober Life members. We have that sense of creating agency right so a lot of times people come in they're on probation they're on parole you know they're not in charge of their own lives and so once they get out of that stuff and they are still in the sober life like now they're like okay i can make these decisions i can make these better choices in my life 
and it actually starts to work out. And so I do just want to make sure our listeners get kind of a, a broad level, you know, like how many members does the Sober Life have? Uh, on paper, I think we have over 1,200 members as far as people who have uh, gone to and participated in at least two Sober Life events uh, for the year, 700 active members, over 700. It's incredible, right? It is incredible. Because uh, that's just in Cascade County, right? And then there's also other... Uh, there's two like kind of branches, right? Yeah, there's sober life on the front, and then there's sober life on the high line, and those things um, are really taking off over there. Heidi over in uh, Shota has done a wonderful job, uh, and the sober life on the high line, Tana will be up there, and she's kind of taken over, uh, and I, th- I believe she's going to do a great job. She's got a lot of heart, and she totally believes in 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 the sober life and what it means. Yeah, absolutely. So Shoto and Shelby, uh, you've got a home for folks that are in recovery. Uh, You're not alone. I think that that's the message I always try to get across is you are never alone. You have to reach out your hand, but there are folks that want to to love and support you. And so so if you kind of want to get an idea, if you go on Facebook and you go to Sober Life on the Front Facebook group, that's a way to uh, get involved there. And then Sober Life on the Highline has a group as well. And they're active. I can tell you the other one that I'd love to have you t- talk about is the fitness page for Sober Life Wellness because it's quite a, a group. The Sober Life Wellness group is very active. I think that's probably been our, um, our breakout group. It has uh, just been amazing to see the people get involved and encourage one another nothing but positivity on that page and there's all kinds of challenges there was a burpee challenge there was a squat challenge uh push-up challenge and this this month they decided to do a a walk challenge uh to accomplish 100 miles in a month it's it's really inspiring I'm, i'm on there and i you know you can reflect back on the way that you're living your life and sometimes you know, as a catalyst for change. I know it has been in my case, and so I've, I've loved it. The other thing that I want to make sure our, our listeners have an understanding of is the broad, what does the sober life do? If you're very succinct, here's what we offer. Connection, purpose, and a sense of hope. Connection, purpose, and a sense of hope. How do you go about engendering those things? I believe that... Uh... The way we do it is is we're all inclusive, really. You know, if you're in recovery, if you've got one day or if you've got 20 years, I think that's what sets us apart as well. Because then you have that sort of like mentoring aspect of where like the guy comes in, he's freshly in recovery. Um, he doesn't know what to expect. He doesn't have a lot. Um and he sees a guy that's got 20 years and he's got a nice car and he's got a job and he's, you know, his life's going really well. And he's like, man, I, that's something that I want. And so those two connect. And, and I can tell you, I see it all the time. You know, uh, the younger people looking up to the the people who have a, a little more uh, time than them and kind of latching on. And, and um, they both, you know, and they help each other, really. 
because the the young guys getting the knowledge and the the guy who's been in there a while is is uh getting you know jacked up about like man this guy really gets it and i can help this guy um i can remember when when i was in that spot and i can help him get to where i'm at and it's just something that is uh um empowering like you said you know before it was it is very empowering to see that happen in real time giving back mm-hmm. feels good and i do something you brought up that i think is an important distinction between sort of the sober life and a lot of other uh treatment recovery programs is the cohort right and so in a typical recovery program everybody's new in sobriety right yeah what you develop is this what i term a recovery negative mindset if you've ever dealt with people that are a month or two months uh in sobriety they're typically angry depressed anxious and you put a bunch of angry depressed anxious people around each other it's not going to be positive whereas sober life you're always going to have a number of people right that are loving recovery and they kind of bring those people up. I think that's something structurally when we look at treatment that we need to think about, right? The other one that I I, I want you to touch on is the length, right? So how long is sober life supposed to last for? It's going to last forever. It's going to last forever. That's And I think that's the problem, kind of how we're uh, viewing recovery wrong, Right. We got uh, we have treatment, uh, either inpatient or outpatient. Um, We've got your treatment courts. Now, don't get me wrong. Those are things are very helpful and those are things are needed. However, those things have an end date. And so once you get out of treatment, like, what do you do? Where do I go from here? I'm just you just you graduate. You're pushed out back into wherever you're from and you're on your own. Right. So. I believe where we come in is like that relapse prevention part of it. We don't end. We're always going to be there and you always have some place to go. Absolutely. And so this gets at what I talk we treat a chronic disease addiction with almost exclusively acute interventions. And we see that cycle, right? They go into the ER, they detox, they maybe, you know, do a intensive outpatient or an inpatient, but we see that same person come back year after year after year. And so, again, I think on a structural level, we need to look at where we as a society are investing because we're spending billions and billions of dollars on the emergency room. What are we doing long term? And I think that's the, the, the real concept of sober life. And, and I think we know on a per capita basis it's much more efficient. Oh, absolutely. And what's great about it is now that we can see these organic groups happening. And so now there's a group that has like a sober Sunday and it's all these people that, that met through the sober life. Uh, and now they're just kind of doing things on their own. And that's what we wanted to see this. That was the whole object of, of the sober life is like, Hey man, you mean, you don't necessarily have to come to our events, but that's where it, it grew, though. I mean, you, you come and say, oh, wow, we had fun, and but I can't be there on a Wednesday or I can't be there on a Thursday. And now, so they splintered off and, and they're doing something when they when they have time. And, and it's just a great thing to see. That's a catalyst for organic community. And I think one of the, the last things, Angie, and then we're going to move into the, the Youth Resource Center. But 
I, I want you to discuss how you could see this growing to other communities. Like, what are the essential components you see to the sober life and, and to successfully having a recovery community? I think any community could have this. They, they really could. All it takes is somebody very passionate about recovery. Um, well, a few people that are passionate about recovery. And it's all about just utilizing what's around you. You don't necessarily have to have a, a lot of money to do this. Uh, volunteers, that's the way we started. We started very small. You know, that's the way. Think small when you're first starting out. There's things that are in your community that are probably nowhere else. So we've got stuff that that we utilize. We have hiking that's close to us. That's very low cost. All it, all it is requires is transportation to get there. Uh, wellness walks, start out that way. Um, and just all I can say is start small and utilize what you have in front of you. And then, you know, wherever it grows from there, get buy-in from your community. That is huge. And, and fortunately for us, we've had that buy-in from our community. We have so many great sponsors who, who help donate money and, and give to the Sober Life that, that keeps us going. And they see the benefit that we have for our community. You know, it's a reduction in crime, reduction in overdose, just all these great things that, that are happening. And so it, it has been a wonderful, a Great Falls has just been uh, absolutely wonderful in, in that aspect. And so last thing I want to do, can you give us one story that has really touched your heart that you've seen? There has been been one uh absolutely wonderful story um so i attend fst and um some of those people are 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 most challenging um participants that's family support team with child and family services and so uh we we get referrals from uh, child and family services to have those people who are involved with the family support team. So that either means there's been a report or a removal or something of that, something negative, you know, where a lot of times we're seeing these people on um, their worst day. So it's very understandable um, of where they're at when we do meet them. But, but again, we do meet them where they're at. And so um, one of the things I tell them, like, Hey man, at, there's going to come a point in time. If you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, um, the, you're going to get your kids back and they're going to ask, they're going to say, Hey, you don't have to go to this stuff anymore. However, when that happens, you have a choice to make. Like, do you continue services or do you just stop? And I guarantee you, if you stop, you're going to keep on that cycle. Cause I've seen it time and again. I had a gentleman who had, he was, he was in a bad way. You know, he could barely, um, speak in sentences. You could tell he was scared. He thought he was going to prison and, um, he just kept coming back. He kept coming back. Um, things started to work out for him. Uh, he was reunited with his family and he still continued to go. And, uh, just this last month, uh, um, on the 22nd, he had one year of, of, sobriety and he's still i'm seeing him again next month so he continues on this path he's proud of himself the when i see him come in now he's got a smile on his face and he's got a glow about him and uh you know he's not walking with his head down and scared and um, shaking when he talks it has been just uh probably 
one of my proudest moments, not for me, but for him, because it's not even about me. It's I'm not doing anything. It's these people that are putting in the work. They're the ones. And I, and I, he, he comes in and he said, you know, I want to thank you so much. I, I didn't do anything. It was all you. You did this. I didn't do a damn thing. Yeah. I love it. That's weird. A catalyst. But, you know, the the real magic is that we're showing them a path, right? And that they walk it. Yeah. It's their walk. I love it. So, Angie, tell me about the Youth Resource Center. So we heard Alliance for Youth has substance abuse prevention, sober life, parenting programs, and our Youth Resource Center. So got started in May 2020. What do you guys offer to to youth in our community? So right now with the school year, it'll change next week, and that will be new to me too, what summer looks like. Um, We go and pick up kids. We have two vans um, at the schools. If they need a ride, um, go pick them up, bring them in to the center. Um, and what ages are, are the, the children? 13 to 20. We have a lot of middle and high schoolers. Um, we get some of the same kiddos, different ones. It's a drop-in center, so they can come um, when they want, leave. You know, we just are a safe place um, that they can hang out. Uh, we offer um, food. We have two meals a a day transportation we help with um employment uh you know maybe they it's the first time they're filling out a job application or how do i advocate for myself that's what we can do um we can be that encourager because it can be so overwhelming what do i start with first for anything um we have counseling groups and one-on-one uh some of the kids come to the groups for stress management anxiety you know teenagers have a lot going on um and then there's also um groups for trauma and so when once the kids get to the center they usually just want to hang out um take love their snacks and some of them will play on the games. They're, you know, they're electronics. They'll just hang out and visit. Uh, we like to play games, and that is my favorite part of the day is when the kids come, and I have to go, you know, communicate. If they don't want to, that's fine, but just connecting with them and coming along beside them. What Dean was talking about with the sober life that means a lot to me that you're partnering partnering with them and so some of the and families that have visited with sober life they might have youth bring them down and so that it's a family um wraparound absolutely i love that you have the the synergies and i talk about virtuous cycles we hear all the time in our society the vicious cycle but so often we ignore that virtuous cycle where it can work both ways, right? You have a youth that comes into the Youth Resource Center and they're, you know, feeling alive, getting the things they need. And they say, hey, you know, 
mom, you should come to this sober life stuff, right? And it helps that mom get sober, right? Or vice versa. You have someone come into the sober life and that they bring their kids along. And now those kids are going out and having an impact amongst their peers and saying, hey, you know, drugs and alcohol aren't all they're chalked up to be. I go out with my family to the sober life stuff and it's amazing. And so you see it kind of going from from adults to, to helping children live healthier. And then children can say, hey, you know, you might want to look at this, you know, parent guardian. And, and you, I love seeing that con- constant flow, right, where you see that it's greater than the, you know, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And so when I look at the Youth Resource Center, you, you have food, right? But you also, what other basics do you have access to the there? The basic needs. Um we have a snack, and then we get hot meal once at night in the evenings, and they are provided for by many people in the community. We have um, the block that donates food to us once a week, and Electric City provides. We have different members in the community, different churches who will come and cook for the kids, and they love that, and they are spoiled and treated well. And we really appreciate all the donations for taking care of our youth. Those basic needs, food, a place, a safe place to come. Absolutely. I always say if you, you know, I know they have showers, right? They have laundry facilities. And so if, if you don't have that kind of Maslow's hierarchy, if you're hungry, you can't learn. Absolutely. If you didn't sleep, you can't learn. If you don't have clothes and you're cold, you can't learn. And so we've got to start with the building blocks. And I love that about the Youth Resource Center is that it says basics first, relationships. That is how you're actually going to get what we all hear and want, right? That's how you get the jobs, the graduates, the folks that are going to go on and be world changers is it starting with those basic building blocks. And I do want, can you describe this, the, the center itself is, is very different. It's not sterile. Like just kind of give our listeners an understanding, you know, what is it like down in the center? Oh, we have a big table. It's kind of like our group table. We play games. I don't see a lot of eating, but They'll do puzzles and activities and homework. We have couches and bean bags. It's very comfortable. We have a game room with a couple screens. The kids like to play their games and taking turns is a challenge, but that's what we learned as adults too. Just very comfortable. It's very homey atmosphere. The kids have painted murals, so it's it's just a place that reflects youth. And I love that you say that it's, you know, nothing for youth without youth, right? And that you guys have actually engaged, right? I mean, get, whether it's surveys or I know there's a youth advisory board of, of going out and saying, what do you guys want? And that a lot of the things that you see there, like, for instance, the 70-inch screens that I know, uh, Rotary Electric, you know, you know redid a whole room. Uh, but that's all from the kids telling us what they want, right? Right, right what they're interested in, and how that brings them back. And they're bringing their friends. They're telling their friends, hey, this is a great place to hang out. Um, 
and people that care. It is an atmosphere that very, it really feels like family. You know, if one is gone, where's, you know, Jeff, where's, they care. And like I said, we are drop in. So we're not saying you have to go. They might leave, go get ice cream, come back. They might need a ride, you know, can you take us to sports or the leap up for the seventh graders went or the eighth graders went up to the high school. Those are just things that we offer these kids that they may not have access to, especially the ones who don't drive. We also have bus passes, you know, if the kids need to go someplace. We work with the community um, for medical services and driver's license, just so many different things that we can help kids to achieve and to feel good about themselves. Absolutely. It's that one-stop shop, right? That you can come to the Youth Resource Center and, and, you know, whether you need housing or employment, help with education, it's all right there. And it is what you you guys pick up uh, students from a number of different schools every day after school, right? Yes. We go to North Middle School, CMR, East Middle School, and Great Falls High. And the kids are, they're at their little area waiting for the van and if I'm three minutes late they're gonna let me know and that's fun because that time in the driving you get to know kids you hear what they're talking about sometimes they're loud (laughs) a lot of times but it's it's just excitement and they're choosing to come and for me that is just a blessing Absolutely. I love that it is, you know, you're seeing so many people bring their friends, right? There's nothing more kind of compelling as like they want to be there than bringing a friend. Right. So I want to give you also a chance to tell, do you have one person, a story that really has touched your heart? Well, I'm new, so I'm going to have many stories, but... Uh, one of my favorites, and this was recent, I was picking up a kiddo at North Middle School, and he was expecting the other driver, the fun driver, and he said, oh, it's you. And I said, hi, how's your day going? I'm happy to see you too. Well, he was not happy because he likes to talk um, about the squirrels with the other driver. So I don't know how it came up, but he has a cat. So that was my in. And now we just have wonderful conversation and because I have a cat. (laughs) So we just shared that connection and I don't, it's that first, like I said, that first step because we're working in steps so that when there's things, the needs, if they have needs, basic needs, counseling, um, employment, medical, that they're going to feel comfortable coming and saying, hey, Angie, you know, can you help me? Because that is the hardest step for anyone in all our programs is saying, I need, I need some help. Can you, can you be there? You know? And I think that hits the core strength is that it's relational and it's relationship based and trust. Mm -hmm. And that's the one where, you know, it has, there's no other way to do it except to spend time with the person. Right. 
And I think some of our systems, right, they're mechanistic, right? Mm -hmm. That it's okay, we go here, you fill out the form, then, you know, we have ABC and you follow this thing. And they don't answer for that, that individual, why? Why do I come to you? Why do I want to do this? And there is no substitute for sitting down and talking about cats. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you don't think of it, right? I don't think generally we think, oh, that's a valuable, you know, use of time. But there's nothing more valuable because now, you know, you're the gal that he loves talking to about his cat. And then when it comes up that he has some trauma, Absolutely. he'll come talk to you about yes. it. And then his sister, she likes me to sit and watch her play Minecraft and that just blows my head but that's what she needs for she just wants me to sit beside her and watch her and that means everything to me because there will be that day maybe with her with somebody else that hey I had this happen and they're going to come and then we're going to be there beside them and then direct them to all the different things that Alliance for Youth has and can offer. And then I want to, as we're wrapping up, we have a big event I know that's with a, a number of partners in the community, United Way, uh, the Great Falls Rescue Mission, called Back to School Blast, and that's going to be happening in August. Could you give our listeners sort of the details on that? August 18th, it's a community event getting the kids ready for um, going back to school. Many, all these resources, they're offering backpacks for school, haircuts, physicals, dental screening, immunizations, all in one place together. And just getting the community to support our youth who are going back to school, working together. And we've been registering kids they can do that online they can come down to alliance for youth we have we went to boys and girls club last week and had a table set up to register kids we're going to come up with some different other other locations and that's fun because we're able to just visit and some families don't know that it used to be here they could get backpacks but it's one event where we're all going to get together and just get these kids ready to go back to school and start a new year healthy, safe, and having their needs met. Absolutely. I do love that, that it's it's person-centered. It says, how do we make this as easy on the folks that we serve as possible? And, of course, it's we'll put it all at the Civic Center under one roof, and we'll have one big day. And and I think that that's the strength of, of Great Falls. That's the strength of community. Uh, and so... Just to be crystal clear, you know, you're able to go there, you get backpacks. You, where can you, you can get backpacks, food, sports physicals, hygiene kits, haircuts, all the stuff that you need to start the school year off on the right uh, path. Now, when is it, what date, where, and how do they register? It is August 18th. It's at the Civic Center. Um, they can register online at Alliance for Youth and or rescue mission their sites or they can just come down and we will there's some basic questions and everything about this event is free it's all free so we are registering because we kind of want to count and um, there's going to be food we need to be um, 
providing for that. So yes, come down, just come down to Alliance. We'll get it set up. It is free and please register there. It was a huge event last year. Yeah. So there not are, only if you register, you get to go in the express line. It the express line. That huge line. And I heard it's hot. I can't <laughs> emphasize that enough. You want to be in the express line. <laughs> So, you know, the walk-ins, you know, we will, they'll help anybody that needs it, but you do get in a different line if you register and it makes it easier, right? That obviously, if you know that you have this number of people, it makes buying food and all the supplies, making sure we have enough backpacks and everything. So please, 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 listeners, if you have a, a family that you know, a friend, anyone, get out the word. Back to school blast, the way to start the school year off with everything you need. Sign up today, get registered, get in the express line. With that, I always like to give my guests an opportunity to share one thing that they would love to see change whether it's a new program, a new paradigm for looking at something in Great Falls. This is our 15,000-foot looking down. Dean. I think we need to change the way uh, we view recovery. Uh, We need to reduce the stigma, and we need to change the way that we're treating it. And Angie? Oh, I would love it if some of the kids who need more individual support with emotional regulation behaviors if they had one-on-ones we need that so much we just need more workers absolutely we know that the most important thing uh in the long-term success of a child is having at least one trusting emotionally open adult and we never want to lose track of that so couldn't think of a better way to wrap it up we need to reduce the stigma and, and change how we view recovery instead of an event as more of a lifetime spectrum that we need to have long-term interventions and invest in one-on-one relationships because trust and relationship and feeling cared for is the key to long-term success. Yes, it is. Kids and adults. <laughs> Dean, Angie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. That was Dean Snow, the Sober Life Program Director at Alliance for Youth, and Angie Altschwager, the Youth Navigator in the Alliance for Youth Youth Resource Center. And you have been listening to Voices and Views on Great Falls Public Radio, KGPR 89.9. Thank you for tuning in.
Thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about KGPR, please visit our website, kgpr.org, where you can find a link to donate, links to all of our other locally produced programming, and information about your local voice, KGPR Great Falls.